It is April 6th, 2020. Psychological distress is something that isn't really talked about in the mainstream media during this global pandemic. But there's no better time than now to talk about mental health and the impact it has during these uncertain times because I can feel it in the air. I can feel it in the air when I walk down the streets, in the grocery store, in the park, when talking to friends or my coworkers or my family. We're all supposed to stay strong, but not stay silent. So I will be interviewing a leader in mental health. He is a speaker at Jack.org and a founder of the men's mental health group Circle Up here in Toronto, Canada, my good friend, Jonathan Andrews. Jonathan is an award-winning mental health speaker and advocate and has raised thousands of dollars for Jack.org, has spoken to hundreds of schools and with thousands of students, and is really showing an example of what it really means to take on this growing problem that we are having, especially now when we are more isolated than ever. And I'm very lucky to have him as my first guest, where we sat one-on-one and discussed in detail what you or anyone close to you that may be going through something like this. As I was listening to this interview again and again, I debated on cutting stuff out, editing it, changing things, but I decided to keep the full raw audio file because Jonathan's speaking skills was so much better than mine that I didn't sound the best when doing this interview. And I ate a slice of humble pie and it's only gonna push me harder to take it upon myself to up my speaking skills and improve on them. And the message is more important than me. And I feel like everything that Jonathan said was so inspiring and uplifting that I think everybody listening to this will get something out of it. So I didn't wanna mess with the audio or anything. This is the raw file. So with that in mind, please bear with me and focus on Jonathan. And I will do better next time. Without further ado, my very first interview with mental health leader, Jonathan Andrews. Episode two, navigating psychological distress in times of global uncertainty. Okay, we are rolling. Let's see where this goes. So I've already recorded an intro and I've said a few things to you uh, about you, but I'm gonna take this time to say this to you. So first off, thank you for taking up the offer for being the first guest ever. Excited. Yeah, I'm honored and humbled. You're doing a good thing, man. Like not many people our age are even thinking about it alone like actually taking action and it's bringing people together dude like that's beautiful uh i'm just 
for me, I'm going to take ownership of this mental health thing because I've been so naive and uneducated about it. You know, like I haven't really thought about it. I haven't, and that's on me. And that's actually causing, I'm part of the problem because um, for anyone that I've said, hey, dude, like just man up, it's not a big deal. That is creating this statistic and it's heartbreaking, dude. Like 75% of all suicides in Canada are male and I'm part of the problem and I realize that. So I have to take ownership of that and hopefully this conversation that we're having right now, it'll bring at least some awareness on this issue. And hey, dude, I wish you the best in life, man. Best in your career and all that. Thanks, um, bro. Yeah, thank you, man. For sure. And awareness is a good place to start. So I'm happy, uh, happy we're having the conversation. Yeah, dude. Uh, so to our listeners, let's just start off with, hey, dude, how do we meet? We met uh, probably one of the most fun days of 2019 for me. We were at Cabana in Toronto. For those that are curious, we're both GTA, Toronto, Ontario residents. And at the time, we went to see the same show. Uh, We went to see Armin Van Buren at Cabana. Yeah, man. That was fun. It was, it was. That was yeah. fun. Ian, my roommate, loves Armin and had been doing this drip campaign over time to try to get me to listen to his music. So eventually I started listening to him and we started watching his Tomorrowland sets on YouTube and they are just so fun and such euphoric trance that we're like, okay, if he comes to Toronto, we're going to go. And so mm-hmm. months in advance, we had these tickets. Um, it was, I believe, May 20th, 2019. And uh, we showed up there and he hadn't got on yet. So there was a light crowd. And uh, as we walked closer and closer to where the DJ booth was, we saw these two guys kind of like off to the right a little bit and they were both shuffling and they were like, they were shuffling, they were getting after it. They were having fun. They had like good vibes. And so I went right up to you guys and was like, yo, you guys are great dancers. Can we dance with you? Yeah, man. I remember that. That was, that was the beginning where we uh we met you and your buddy mm-hmm. yeah and that eventually turned into veld and then il sonique and then just many random nights dude and then now we're doing a podcast and you're my first guest so hey yeah man music this bringing is... people together yeah yeah and um i want to start this off by just saying asking Cause I never asked you personally, man, like how did you get started in giving speeches and mental health? Did you do the speeches first? Did you do mental health first? And you know that I know like you do like stuff for jack.org. Um, if you could kind of give some background for not just the people listening, but also for me too. I haven't really asked you. Yeah. Happy to give you some origin stories. It could go pretty far back. And so I won't start at the very beginning. I think I started public speaking when I was like maybe a year and a half. Uh, Whenever whenever kids start speaking, that was the beginning for me. Um, Teasing. But Mm -hmm. I think the first time that I ever combined speaking 
and communication with advocacy, which was for me around mental health awareness, was in 2016. And oh. I, kind of, I kind of bridged that gap because I got my first job in sales in Toronto and I moved to the city and I knew that I wanted to be a key player on our sales team. I knew that I wanted to make uh, good money. I knew I wanted to be respected. I knew I wanted to add value to the organization. And one of the ways that I thought that I could do that was I could become a better communicator. Awesome, and man. so for the listeners, there is a volunteer communication and leadership program that is international all across the world called Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. And Toastmasters is a public speaking, like I said, communication course. And I went there to improve my sales skills, not because I wanted to speak on anything specific. And when I went there, a few things happened. Number one, I had a a man named Ryan McGurr who invested deeply in my personal development and my growth as a speaker. He was a fantastic communicator and he said, I want to mentor you. And that, wow. that in itself is a, is a, a long, fun story that I would, I'd be happy to get into one day. But uh, he really invested in me. And then the second thing that happened is you get to do prepared speeches at Toastmasters. And so when I did my icebreaker, the very first speech, they, you know, they gave us some direction on how to put this together. And I don't know, I'm 21 years old. I don't really have a lot of life experience. Mm-hmm. The only real the only real uh, adversity and obstacles that I experienced were my time in high school. Mm-hmm. And so I started sharing what that experience was like for me, what I went through in high school. It's not unique. It's very relatable for a lot of students, which is why the story I- I'm happy to tell. And when I told that story at my Toastmasters club, one of the members came up to me and just said, Hey, Jonathan, we know somebody that needs to hear that story. We have wow. a friend that's a youth that could, that could really, benefit from what you're what you're sharing and I said cool and that led me to doing that speech again and that led me to another opportunity to speak and then uh, the rest is history I've spoken at hundreds of high schools universities since then I've spoken to corporate organizations like RBC TD Bank uh, WSP consulting firms and and many other companies on uh, mental health advocacy that is awesome man dude I'm you're going to have to start being a mentor yourself, man, because I'm trying to get my uh, speaking XP points up. So, <laughs> nice. So you're going to be on the other side now, hopefully with me. But hey, that's awesome, dude. I actually didn't know that. So, wow. Um, I also want to say um, you are doing a big thing right now especially at this time, because we're more isolated physically, you know, it's still a big, uh, it's still a big shift from what we used to, our life used to be. And this mental health thing is going to be one of the biggest unsilent, I guess, I wouldn't say silent uh, killer, but I would say like a silent adversary. Mm-hmm. in this time because um it's really gonna people are more alone than ever and there's no outlet that i know of that's you know not stigmatized for especially men and uh kind of want to touch a little bit on that so 
Uh, how did you get started at jack.org? How, why did you, what's the uh, idea behind Circle Up? How did you come up with that? Like, yeah, good questions. And they're really, they're really two different stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I gave you a little bit of the origin around public speaking and where that began. Uh, even those, even that goes further back. I mean, like in elementary school, you do grade seven and eight speeches and I tended to excel in those. And I attribute a lot of that to my history in gymnastics growing up. Uh, we did a lot of preparation. We were in the gym five days a week. And so when I had an opportunity to speak in front of a group, I thought, let me just practice a lot and then it'll sound good, oh. which is true. Um, that said, when I, uh, Jack.org is the first relevant piece of the puzzle here. Mm-hmm. And as I mentioned, I began speaking and it was all for free. It was just, I wanted to share the story. And I thought that if anyone could benefit from that and see themselves inside of my experience and know that recovery is possible from depression and feeling good and thriving on the other side of depression is possible, then it would be a story worth sharing. And so I share that story a ton. And at my Toastmasters club, there was these two people, Rena and Dan, and they started a public speaking contest called uh, Speaker Slam. Speaker Slam. And I competed a few times in that. I came second twice. And one time it was a pit. It was a pit. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Actually, I was supposed to compete in Speaker Slam on uh, April, uh, on March 31st, and that was canceled. Oh, well, next time, dude. That's just more time to prepare, I think. And that's yeah. how I see it. But yeah, dude, you're gonna, you would have killed it anyway. But anyway. Thanks, bro. Thanks, bro. Yeah, it would have been my fourth time competing. I really feel confident about this speech. Ian Gabriel, who's a mutual friend of ours, he's, he helped me dramatically to make yeah, that speech Ian. better. And so the way that the story works is that one of the contests was a pitch contest, which was different than the other ones. It was very unique. They hadn't done this before. And I went there, there was 40 competitors and I pitched the idea that you should pay me to come into your school to speak about mental health. That was the first time that I ever shared that I would love to get paid to do something like this. And so I pitched that and I actually won that contest. Wow, dude. So that was, that was huge for me. That was a step. That was the first step. It was a huge step and the contest itself wasn't really the, that big of a, a door opener. What was the door opener was there was a woman in the crowd named Shelly and she introduced me to the executive director of a company called Healthy Minds Canada and I spoke at a couple of their events and what ended up happening at the end of 2017 was they dissolved all of their resources and they actually gave all of their resources to Jack.org. So there's, oh. there, was this, there was this bridge that was built because Healthy Minds Canada for over two decades was the prominent mental health education programming across Canada. And the challenge, you know, very frankly with your audience, they weren't, they weren't modernizing and they weren't staying with um, the times in terms of being relevant on social media and using those platforms to grow their brand and grow their awareness. And there are companies that are doing that, like Jack.org. Jack.org is extremely modern. Their communication team is fantastic. And so youth and students were being impacted by Jack.org. And so uh, Healthy Minds Canada gave all the resources to Jack.org. I spoke at an event that Jack.org was present at. And then I met the CEO, the founder, Eric Windler. And Eric said, Jonathan, please come speak for us. We wow. would love to have you as one of our speakers. 
That That's is... why I met the Jack.org team. Wow, man. Inspiring, dude. Uh, hopefully people out there are going to reach out. This is a good cause. It's honestly, again, one, no better time, no more appropriate time to talk about this stuff than now. Um, with that being said, yeah, and, yeah I just want to uh, talk about uh, what are your thoughts? Why is mental health today to you more important than ever? Why, why now? Uh, and why men? Yeah, I think that bridges the gap between kind of that first story and the second story. Um, I will just add one other piece on Jack.org for those people that actually don't really know what we're talking about when we talk about them. They, oh, right. yep. they are, can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, dude. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Jack.org is, is fucking incredible. They do some of the most inspiring work of any charity that I've ever come across. And that's why I will, I will virtually do anything for these folks. Like I will, I will wake up in the middle of the night and travel anywhere to be and participate in any of their programming. And I've helped raise tens of thousands of dollars for them over the last few years because they are the only charity that is educating youth to be the ones that revolutionize the way we talk, think and feel about mental health instead of taking their employees and having them go out and speak to youth about mental health. Instead, they train youth to be the ones that go out into communities to educate youth on how to be there for their friends, to take care of themselves, how to think about mental health. They're really doing a peer to peer model where I'm speaking to a youth instead of the 50 year old psychologist speaking to youth. And it's not that that's wrong, but it's a different relationship and they see it differently. And so the work that they're doing is so important. And last year alone in 2019, they spoke to over 400 schools and over 75,000 students were impacted by their programming. Jeez, man. Yeah. Yeah. That inspiring stuff dude like uh i've taken it more seriously for sure from going from zero knowledge to now on my own time like just you know good diving deep deep especially um youth and men i think that's a very vulnerable sector uh for this silent adversary mental health you know that's that's something that's not serviced a lot and i don't think that right now at least to my knowledge uh there's no outlet or uh resources for young men to go to and that's causing that that statistic that we're seeing right now and speaking of um like young men and all that mm-hmm. i a lot of young men right now this is going to be our first global crisis in our working lives, like 2008 was, as far as my recent memory, I was 14 at the time. So I wasn't working. I was still in high school. I wasn't in charge of my own life. That was just, I was relying on the parents and stuff. So this is the actual, yeah, this is the actual first time in our working lives where many of us are, uh, especially men are expected to fend for ourselves and uh, just yeah, just go through this thing. And I think the conversation is uh, 
I haven't, I don't think young men have been talking about this yet. So I kind of want to open it up. What's your thoughts? This is uh, what are you going through right now? What am I going through right now? There's, there's a lot actually happening in my life. Um, and a, a lot of what's happening in my life today and how I'm coping with it and the strategies that I'm using to combat kind of the default nature of, of being a human and being a man. Um, it, I'm thankful to my men's weekend in 2018 that I did. And that's the reason why I started circle up, but in, to answer your question directly, you know, what am I going through? A couple of things, man. Um, number one, there's this almost like white noise in the background of everyone's life right now, which is the coronavirus. You know, I, I, yep. I think of it as analogous to, I sleep with rain noise. I say, Hey, Google every night, play rain noise. Cause for a couple of reasons. Number one, my roommates and I have different sleep schedules, so I don't want them waking me up. But it uh, seems like that almost like I'm trying to live my life. And then in the background is this constant um, white noise of the coronavirus that's happening. And so that could be very anxiety inducing mm -hmm. and oh, yeah. very fear inducing. And in many ways has impacted people's routines and habits and lifestyles so that they're more sedentary because they're more fearful and anxious and potentially emotional, maybe they're not eating the foods that they would typically eat. Uh, you know, some people I know are really dialed in around nutrition right now, but other people are, they're just, they're, they're either um, eating out of fear, eating out of boredom, eating, oh, yeah. um, tons of, tons of things are happening. The most important thing happening for me right now is um, my nephew was born last Monday. Oh, wow. Dang, man. And congrats, though. Um, yes. Yeah. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I was, I was, I was very excited to be an uncle. My, my family was very excited. It's my, my brother, Adam and his fiance, Laura, they had their child Noah on Monday and, um, we couldn't participate at the hospital because of what's happening oh, right now. Shoot. And, right, uh, right. and I'll be completely transparent with your listeners. It's a very devastating time for my family. Noah was born with complications. No way, dude. Yeah. He, that is tough and you can't you can't like be anywhere close because you don't want to risk anything uh at least like until this thing is over wow yeah man he was uh, i'll tell you the whole the whole thing the, he was born with complications on monday and he he was stuck in the birth canal when they were trying to pull him out no way, and so man. they did an emergency c-section on laura and had a hard time pulling him out and when they finally got him out, he did not have a pulse. And so they did CPR and they figured he would likely have brain damage. They wouldn't know until the MRI on Friday. So they moved him to, to sick kids. Um, wow. They did the MRI on Friday and uh, it turns out that Noah has really bad brain damage. And so he, oh. he, will be, he will either be a vegetable or they could take him off critical care. And, uh, and so my, my family and... Uh, Laura and Adam, I think rightfully so. They made the decision that he's, uh, they took him off life care. So he is, uh, I got to see him once. Oh my God, dude. In their, in their home in Barrie. And I got to play him some guitar and I got to hold him and, and be with him briefly. But uh, that's, that's pretty much all he's got. He's got um, maybe a couple of days. He doesn't feed. And so he'll, he'll, he'll slowly decline until he's ready to go. Wow. I'm not gonna lie, dude. That is 
devastating. I can't imagine what you're going through right now and your family, but uh, I will say that this whole like be a man thing has got to stop, dude. Like, uh, I feel like men should start like expressing shit like this because it's just going to fester and it's eventually going to, you know, lash out one day or bottle up and, you know, it, it, this whole man, like man up thing is, is gotta stop, dude. Yeah. We need to have a conversation and support one another. Um, and compete less, dude. I feel like the whole culture around young men, especially is just to compete because that's my default. You know, I'll admit that's my default, um, mode when I start talking about like my, my, um, I wouldn't say like problems, but weaknesses, like, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, like just, Hey, you know, it's not a big deal. Just man up. It'll just, you know, you're here to win. You're here to compete, but this is this situation you're going through. That's dude, that's way bigger than that. It's, it's actually, you're talking about someone's life, dude. Like, uh, yeah. Thank you for sharing it. Uh, because, dude, I can't imagine, man, if that's where it happened to me and I can't even see, um, I can't spend time with them. Uh, and, you know, in the background, there's a pandemic going on and it's a lot, man. I want to kind of use that right now to discuss stress and anxiety, where it comes from and you know, especially now, like how big life changing events like that, major uncertainties in life. How did it f- affect you? What are you feeling right now? I want to go back and, I, and I'll definitely answer your question. I want to go back to what you said about manning up needs to stop. I think in many ways, the sentiment has utility. I just think that we are, we're not taking it with a with a grain of salt and we're not using it to uh its real potential its real purpose because there is a need for me to be a rock for my family there is a need for me to be strong and for me to move forward uh, and to to make progress and uh, to do the things that i need to do as a man that said when you said we need to stop the man up thing i i agree in so many ways so many ways like that's the reason why circle up exists The whole point is that when men think they need to man up, the real thing they need to do is circle up. You have no idea how badly I wanted to miss my men's team meeting on Thursday night this week because I just felt like total shit. On Wednesday, I went to see Noah and I was being really strong. And, you know, I was, it was so, so devastating to see my brother and to see Laura. And, you know, they were being so strong. Mm-hmm. so strong and i and i didn't i couldn't understand how, how what they were going through and how they were going through this i just wanted to be there for them and that and i didn't realize what an emotional toll that that took on me I, I woke up on thursday morning and i was so depleted i was so drained I, I showed up at work and i said hey man like i told my my manager i said hey man i can't work today or tomorrow like i'm not doing it and fortunately they were really supportive and i didn't want to be on my men at my men's team on thursday night but i i showed up because it was part of my commitment and you know that there's that interesting friction, that resistance where 
I know the best thing for me is to be at my men's team meeting because it's going to give me a space to be able to open up about what am I experiencing. And yet I have this natural friction to not want to do that. Right. I want to hold it in. I want to bump, I want to keep it inside. And, and like you were saying, you know, that fermentation of keeping your emotions in, that is where real anxiety is bred. That's where depression gains its roots. Uh, I showed up at that team meeting on Thursday and I'm going to maintain complete confidentiality, uh, confidentiality around what happened. But um, at one point we stopped, they paused the meeting and, and one of the men, um, he's one of my, my good friends and, and he's been a mentor for a long time. He just said, Hey, we need to stop this meeting. And everyone was kind of confused. And he said, you could fit, everyone can, he said, if you don't physically see the pain on, on Andrew's face right now, then you're not paying attention. And so everyone stopped and looked at me and they said, he said, okay, Andrews, this is your time. We'll, 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 we'll hang with you as long as you need to, to process what you're experiencing. And I didn't think I had anything left to process because the Friday when my brother called me, I was screaming and crying and, and broke down. Um, there's so much more. Wow, man. There's so much more, man. They gave me that space to just completely share where I was feeling the pressure, um, you know, what kind of uh, thoughts I was having. Um, they helped me express it in not language, but in, in sound. And so I made a very disturbing, um, groaning sound until honestly, like I just kept making that same noise over and over again until I started bawling and, and uh, broke out, broke down there. So they, they gave me a space to release that. Um, typically our men's team meetings would be in person and, you know, they may have embraced me and, and held me up and supported me through that. And, and I probably would have gone a lot deeper into the emotion that I had experienced and the pain that I was feeling but uh, we, we don't have that luxury right now with what's happening with coronavirus. And the final right. thing I'll say on that is that men that do not have that outlet are not only putting themselves in a very vulnerable position because they can't express themselves, but they're also putting the, their friends and their family at detriment as well because they need a place to be able to express that they need to be able to a place to be able to release that so that they can come back in their lives and be that resilient rock that they want to be but you need to get that out of the way you need to you need to to release that emotion um and your your men is is one of the best places to be able to do that yeah dude um And I'm, I'm learning as I, I'm listening to you right now, the whole, what it means to be a man. And for the longest time, just from hearing what you're saying is uh, my whole, ever since I, ever since I was conscious of my masculinity and what that means to me, I always thought it's just to always stay focused no matter what happens in your life and get your your goals done uh set your set your goals and don't let anything as well you know again this is uh i'm learning as i speak right now because i'm not again this is this is before this whole like uh, mental health um i guess education i'm going through right now uh, I always, I always said, said to myself, whatever happens at 
as long don't let that get to you and just man up and and just do what you need to do to make sure that whatever that needs to get done gets done um and for the longest time dude like i i i was very um resistant on showing my feelings with other men because that to me was uh personally i thought that that was a sign of weakness but as you said that you need that especially if you don't want to be at risk of the statistics right now surrounding youth male youth uh and in general men in general yeah it um, is really men in general you know uh, i'm i'm saying youth because that's my perspective right now yeah uh but and it's to be honest with you it's men in general like this whole this whole idea that we have to um just ignore our feelings to get whatever shit we need to get done for the day uh is honestly killing us dude it's it's literally that's that's the st- sad statistic again you know like i don't know what you're going through right now i kind of want to bring the focus on the stigma against mental health for men mm-hmm. and what your thoughts about it and what you've seen um, with men expressing their their feelings, you know, to other men, right? And in general, like to other people, what's the stigma behind that? And how did that affect you and people you know? These are These are great questions, Pat. Really good questions. The one thing I'll add to your point around the stigma not being able to express your emotions is think of it like a car that needs an oil change, mm-hmm. right? right? If you do your oil change when you're supposed to, as an example, you feel um, anxiety or you have trauma or you have pain and you, and you have a space and I'm going to come back to space. You need a space to be able to express that. Not every space is the place to have these conversations. They're just not. There are, there's, there are specific environments that you can cultivate to go to where this is something that you talk about. And if you do that on a regular basis, just like you would with an oil change, you'll have, you'll be able to, you know, you have to bring in the car to do the oil change and maybe you wait an hour or two and then you get to drive it off again for however long it takes before you need an oil change again. But if you keep ignoring, like you were saying, if you keep manning up and bottling it in and just doing the shit you need to do and you, you know, you avoid that first oil change, well, the car's not going to run as well. And you, you know, you keep you, but you keep moving and you know, you're going to have a second time where it's going to say, Hey man, you should really change this freaking oil. And then again, the same thing happens is you ignore it and you push on the, again, the car is going to continue to perform less, continue to deteriorate. And eventually if you don't have a place to change that oil, if you don't have a space to be able to go and express what you're experiencing, then the car will break down. And for a lot of times it's out for the count. That's a beautiful analogy, man. Um, yeah, that's that's perf- That's the perfect way to describe it. If you don't change that oil, dude, that bigger things are gonna stem from that. Uh, it's gonna be very um, hidden, but eventually, all these uh, small, small things are gonna add up. And yeah, it's just one day, just the nature of how energy is. Um, 
it's you can't destroy it. It's gonna get it's gonna let loose somehow, right? All this bottled up energy, yeah. And uh, you know, <laughs> some people unfortunately that energy is fatal. So yeah, I, that's what I want to get out of this is this whole situation right now, this period of uncertainty to the average listener right now, they're going to be experiencing some things and I kind of want to talk about it. Um, exactly what they're experiencing um, just from what we're feeling, we, uh, we can bring it to the forefront and maybe give some ways to manage it. Is a, I don't know what the good word is. N not manage it. Uh, you, you mean you feel what you feel, but uh, at least be aware of it and see what options we got with these things that we might be experiencing. So first and foremost, I'm going to bring up uh, what I'm experiencing. This is above anything. It's health and safety. That's the main source of stress that I feel that the average listener is going to be uh, worried about at the forefront. Uh, that is above finances above isolation above uncertainty you know that the health and safety is number one if you, health is wealth if you don't have health you don't have anything i agree you know like that that's everything um so are you feeling what are you feeling in terms of health and safety and um have you really looked at options to see what you can do about it Good questions. Yeah, I, I like to think of the things that I can control mm -hmm. and right, spend right. as much time focusing on that as possible. I also am reminded by tons of literature and personal development that I've read over the course of my life around the power of thoughts and how you can manifest so much crap in your life if you're doing it unconsciously and you can manifest so much good in your life if you're doing it consciously. So that why the, the, the attention to focusing on what I can control matters the most. So when I'm thinking of my health, I mean, I know the levers that I can pull to be able to maintain uh, immunity and a strong immune system. And I also know what public health guidelines are and what they're communicating are the things that we can do to take care of ourselves right now. And so I really just go to those two places is like, what's good for my biology? And then what are the, the best in the world? What are they recommending right now so that I can control? Uh, and you know, we, all, we all know those things and we could reiterate them now if you want. Things like uh, yep, yep. disinfecting surfaces, washing your hands frequently, wearing gloves if you're going outside, um, wearing, wearing a protective mask if you feel like you're going to be in close proximity to people. Social distancing is the best thing that we could do today to be able to ensure that the virus doesn't spread. And so those are the public health guidelines that we could follow and we could be in control of. If you need to go out, then you should have those safety measures in place so that your mind doesn't need to stew and dwell on all of the what could be's because you're not protecting yourself. Mm. And as much as me wearing a mask is about protecting myself, as much as it's about that, it's also about protecting you as well. Oh yeah, for sure. So it helps me and it helps you. And I think that one of the things that I was exploring in my mind the other day while I was, while I was walking 
and social distance walking. No one was, and wasn't hanging out with anyone, um, was, you know, there's this, I'm walking by people and we're far apart, but like they're looking at the floor and they're looking down and there's this, there's this attitude that seems to be permeating that it's me versus you. It's like, if I, if I look at you, acknowledge you, if I, you know, if I give you like a thumbs up, like, you know, stay strong, like that'll, that'll somehow, uh, you know, I might contract the virus. And I, I think that that in itself, that in itself, that me versus you mentality is a virus in itself. And I think that yeah, it's, sure. man, it's, it's team, it's team universe right now. It's team human right now. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm walking by the streets and I'm taking care of myself and you're taking care of yourself. And I'm going to acknowledge you. And I'm going to say like, I hope your family's well as I'm passing. Like that's the, the type of attitude that I think is, is something we can control. And if we can shift that mindset, your immune system will respond mm-hmm. happily that you're shifting to gratitude, you're shifting to thankfulness of what we have, and you're shifting to, you know, it's, it's not me versus you, it's, it's us together going to get through this as a, as a team. Um, that's the, the public health piece and the mindset piece. And then there's obviously tons of things that I can do with my biology to take care of my body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Thanks for that. It's, a, it's, it's good to at least see what we can do on our end to help uh, ensure other people have the best chances of increasing their health and safety um, during this whole pandemic right now. Um, the whole mindset thing is something that the mindset and manifesting it and that that's something that I kind of want to talk more about because, you know, I never really thought about it that way, but yeah, this whole, um, this whole situation is causing us to maybe it's fear mongering from social media or like news or friends or whatever, but, uh, this whole, your mindset is really key right now. Um, and I kind of want to, I don't know how to say it, but I kind of want to shift people's mindsets a little bit and see what we can do, uh, mentally to kind of help people with this whole situation. So for example, um, the biggest thing that I can think of that I'm struggling right now is the physical isolation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm talking to people, right? Calling people up and texting them. And you know, right now we're talking right now, but just the physical isolation part for, for me personally, that that's a big shift that I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of struggling with because I'm naturally, an extroverted person, uh, physically, you know, like I can, and that, uh, for me, I feel like is affecting me, um, mentally, you know, um, again, there's nothing we can, um, stress more. That's more important than health and safety, but for sure, like, uh, how are you coping with the whole, physical isolation part, especially from like family and friends and all that, you know? Good question, man. There's a few ways that I think I'll address that. Number one is to tell you that when I, when I finally made it to Barry to visit my, my nephew, um, there were so many moments where my natural instinct and your natural instinct when you're around people that you care and you love is you want to embrace them 
You mm-hmm. want to let them know and demonstrate how much you love them. And you, you should not do those things right now. Yeah, for sure. My parents are both compromised about their immune system. My dad's 78 and my mom has lupus and she's had lupus for 26 wow, years. Dude. It's an autoimmune disorder. And I cannot risk um, the fact that I may be carrying the virus and I'm not showing any symptoms. I may be asymptomatic. I can't risk that for her. And so I had that inclination, just like you are right now, you're feeling that yearning, that desire for that social interaction. So I know it's there and, you know, we can't ignore our biology. Our biology wants us to, to be in contact. Physical touch releases so many hormones of oxytocin and other powerful, powerful, uh, positive chemicals. And so I, I totally get you. I feel that. And I, and I, I would ask you though, given that there really isn't any kind of, I would love to say there's light at the end of the tunnel. There really isn't at this point. There's a lot of, a lot of take it day by day and a a low probability of being able to spend time with the people that you love physically for, for a while. I would ask you and I'd help you reflect on number one, could you be building a story and the story is saying something along the lines of, I'm not feeling that good right now because I can't hang out with friends in person. And that's a story that you could be telling yourself. I'm not saying that's the truth, but I'd be, I'd ask you to question, you know, is that a story? And can I frame it differently? Can I frame it in in a way that's more empowering? Imagine what it would look like if you framed it uh, in a way that, that made you feel empowered and that, and that gave you hope, gave you faith. So that would be the first thing I would ask. And then the second thing I would ask it, I would do the same thing that I'm doing on myself and that my roommate Ian is doing for himself, which is auditing how we're actually spending our time and what has changed in our lifestyle. And what can we do in our lifestyle that's going to maintain the positive, the, the best mental health possible? And so I'd ask you, I'd say, you know, besides not being able to spend time with people in person, Pat, like, how many days a week did you exercise prior to what's happening? And how many days a week are you exercising today? Mm-hmm. So t- why, don't you, why don't you tell me? How many days have I exercised and how many days have I, well, I'll tell you, um, ever since the whole gym thing closed, like that's, that's the second biggest struggle I have. <laughs> it's totally, it just showed me how spoiled I was uh, prior to this whole thing is, um, I didn't, I wasn't, uh, I needed these facilities, uh, not just socially, but you know, to function as, uh, as a guy, like at the gym is a big part of my life. For, for example, what I've been doing is you see that pull-up bar right behind me, whoever's yep. listening can't see it, but I bought a pull-up bar and I put some gymnastic mm-hmm. rings and stuff, uh, just to, you know, give a little bit of, uh, control on that portion of my life just get at least I can I, I noticed that I was reliant on a lot of facilities that I honestly didn't need dude they, these were um, luxuries now that we're now that I'm reflecting on it and that's that's uh, what triggered the whole like auditing not only my my like just my my gym stuff, but like my, my whole life, like my habits, for example, is one big project that I'm doing. I'm reading this book called uh, tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss. Yeah. Shout out to Tim. Um, mm. And it's literally just a book of all the tactics and tools of 
everybody that he's interviewed in his his podcast, the Tim Ferriss Show, and he's literally putting it as mostly like literally a buffet, and you pick and choose like what what person you like to emulate emulate and what their main tactics and habits are. Um, and I'm, to be honest with you, seeing it as an opportunity more than anything. Like, I don't think there's going to be a bigger, a better time to audit, as you were saying, audit yourself on the time that you're spending and uh, on, on certain things and maybe experiment with some new habits that'll help you in the long run. Um, and again, you know, like the first week I was guilty of it, like just because of the whole s- stress and this whole like uncertainty thing, I was just like in my room, just, you know, <laughs> scrolling through social media and uh, just not really getting anything productive done. So um, after that, ex- I'm happy for that though, because after that experience, I realized that without those luxuries outside of my 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 house, I guess, like the gym and like going out with friends and the work and all that. I didn't have a self-sufficient routine for myself to be better as a, as a man. Uh, you know, I, for example, like I don't, I didn't, I don't need the gym to stay fit. I just, in my own head thought that that was, you know, Oh shoot, I just lost it. But in reality, it, it wasn't about the gym. The gym was just a way to get fit. Yeah, it's just a vehicle. It's just a vehicle, just more than anything. I, you know, and now I'm struggling with the whole like physical thing. Like, I don't need the club, or I don't need like uh, you know, going out for dinners with people or coffee just to feel connected to people. I'm doing that right now with you, man. So, um, again, long-winded story, but right now that's what well, I'm doing. I'm why don't we? Once every how other many day. days a week? I try not to skip one day. Um, sorry, I try not to skip twice a, a week. So if I, so I try to work out days. every day, if not, I'll if I skip one day, for sure I'll work out the next day. Okay. Yeah. Got it. So I, I would look at a couple places. Fitness is a great place. So I'm going to just make a note here. So you got fitness. How about how has, if at all, your nutrition changed since this began? Oh, dude, that's the biggest change um, out of this whole thing. So I ordered um, and not, you know, this is no sponsorship or anything, but this is what <laughs> I eat uh, on my own time. It's, it's this website called Canadian Protein has a whole bunch of vitamins and supplements on top of the um, protein that I get. Uh, there's one called uh, super greens. It's just literally like a whole concoction of just dried vegetables and they just grind it up. So I don't Excellent. eat many vegetables normally, uh, like whole vegetables, but I put that in my shake and you know, uh, that there's a whole bunch of, um, I don't want to uh, get into it, but there's a whole bunch of different, uh, exotic vegetables that have unique benefits that I'm taking right now. And the second thing is Superman multivitamin. Same thing with the, um, the super greens. It's, it's mostly like a, an insurance, like to make sure if I do eat, if I don't have anything, I, um, all my nutrients from the whole foods, at least I have this multivitamin 
that'll yeah, backup plan. Yeah, that'll back it up. That'll cover anything I'm missing. And it's not like a pill. It's literally a powder. Like the pure, um, you know, the pure sources. I guess minerals, like from actual whole foods. Uh, that's what I'm doing with my diet, and I'm cutting out a lot of. Um, the biggest thing right now is I'm cut, since I don't have to wake up in the morning, I'm auditing uh, the amount of caffeine I've been drinking since I've been working. Um, it's just exponentially increased since I've been working my nine to five because um, we pull Ditto. crazy hours, like like 80, 90 hours a week uh, on average. So, uh, you know, coffee is just um it's a staple yeah, buddy staple so yeah right now i'm limiting it to one cup or zero if possible a day uh and i'll see how long i can do that you know i've definitely noticed that my energy levels have significantly dropped and mm. that just shows me like how artificially high my sorry hard artificially artificial my baseline energy was prior sure. to this whole like audit thing with the caffeine or whatever, but that's what I'm doing. How are you, man? Yeah. So I, so I think it's worth like kind of zooming out, right? We're zooming in on the specifics that you're doing and like, we're looking at things like nutrition, we're auditing uh, fitness. I would audit sleep as well. And what that routine right, looks like, right. I would, I would audit time spent online and on social media. Um, I would audit, I, I would audit a couple other areas. And I think one of the areas that you and I have discussed recently that could give people a lot of hope and that can really pull some people out of depression. And it's not an immediate quick fix, but for me, it was the, the most meaningful of all of the steps that I took when I was in high school experiencing, I was diagnosed with clinical depression, anxiety disorder when I was, uh, when I was 16, that was 2011. Jeez, um, man. One of the most important things that I, I had that I didn't have, I did not have a direction. Hmm. It's very easy to fall into overwhelm and hopelessness mm. if you do not have a direction. And I'm wondering, and I would challenge whoever's listening to this podcast, what does your direction for the next three months look like? What does your direction for the next six months look like? What does your direction mm. for the next three years look like? And oh, you may be able to say, hey, you know, and this is a valid argument. So, you know, Jonathan, it's very uncertain. I don't know what the next three months are going to look like. Fair enough. Okay. Why don't you vision it up? dream it up and say, if I could create the next three months, however I want it to look, what would it look like? Mm. And then you can, you can only reverse engineer what your day should look like. If you know what you want to look like in three to six to 12 months from now, it's the only way. Otherwise you're going to end up somewhere. Mm. The question is where, right? If I want to end up, if I know my direction then I know, the people that I need to spend time with. I know the actions that I need to take. And I know the person that I need to be in terms of character to get there. If I really don't give a shit and I don't want anything to change in my life, then I could just do exactly what I'm doing right now. And I would, you know what, I, I would even kind of retract that a little bit and say that if you're not growing, you're dying. Oh, Whew. And that's, that's Jim Rohn 101. That's, that's, uh, for those that have never heard of Jim Rohn, he was foremost business philosopher. And uh, Ian Gabriel and I, who are really close friends, spent a lot of time listening to Jim 
Um, he's got a YouTube clip that's two hours long. It's called Learn This Skill or Live a Mediocre Life. It is kind of an introduction to Jim's work. You will not find a more entertaining educational video about personal development and business than Jim Rohn and highly recommend it. And he's, he's you know, he was someone that taught me if I'm not growing, I'm dying. And so I would, I would actually argue that that's not the case. If I do the same things I'm doing today for the next three months, then I would probably recline in my progress. Man. Yeah. I'm going to watch that for sure. I'm Jim Rohn, right? That's yeah, it's that I'm going to check J-I-M-R-O-H-N. Sure. You will be investing your time very wisely if you decide to listen to Jim Rohn's audio. He is uh, extremely wise, multimillionaire business. The key to the reason why he's so valuable to listen to is because of A, how strong of a communicator he is. Mm -hmm. And so it makes it fun and it makes it light and you, you genuinely want to continue to follow along. It's not like, you know, you may have listened to some of my videos and you're like, get a minute in and you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to keep going. You know, if you give him a minute or two of your time, he will hook you and you will be invested in Jim. Thank you, man. I will definitely check him out right after this. Um, time well yeah. spent. Um, with that being said, uh, I kind of want to talk about a big issue for mostly um, young men right now that you're talking about direction is that with this whole global uncertainty that's going on right now, we, I've just inherently as a guy, we attach many of our identities and values and happiness to whatever we do for work, right? Mm. Like I have, I attach, for me personally, I, I have a lot of pride in my job, like what I do for work. I'm, I love being a, you know, an engineer, a problem sol a solver. And as, in essence, I get to learn and help people for a living. Uh, and I attach a lot of value to that, but with the major risk of many people including myself that this might change right layoffs are coming you know restructuring or maybe like a you know a shift in the responsibilities um how as men should we should we feel about this what are your thoughts on some men who are possibly going through a change maybe right now whoever's listening maybe they're going through a, a layoff right now or their whole identity is in question right now because of this whole thing. Maybe jobs are not coming back after this, you know, like um, a lot of the jobs that previously we thought that we need to go to the office for, um, maybe it's going to be all remote and outsourced. Who knows? Right. Like uh, there's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of uh, identity identities right now are being, I guess, at risk. Uh, and that's a big thing for guys is what, what we do for work is what we take pride in. So um, I would just be interested in any thoughts that you got. Yeah. Happy to give my two cents. By no means do I think I'm an expert in, in what we're going to jump into. I would tackle it from two ways though. I would spend as much time studying ego as possible. Right. Right. And so I would look into Eckhart Tolle the power of now and power a new earth. earth. 
I would check out Alan Watts and his conversations around ego. Um, I would spend time understanding that I am not who I think I am oftentimes and that Mm -hmm. attaching my identity to external circumstances, things that are out of control is a very dangerous proposition. It's a very dangerous proposition. When I think about who I am as a man uh, in the stages of my development in, in my life, I've attached myself to athlete. Mm. I've attached myself to speaker mm-hmm. and I've attached myself to a few other ideas and concepts that are not who I am. As an example, I'm not my body first and foremost. I'm just fundamentally not my body. Um, I may be using this body as a vehicle right now to express myself in the physical world. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can get behind that. But in terms of like, I grew up doing gymnastics and I injured my, myself. And so now my whole identity of who I created for myself has been shattered and broken. And does that leave me with, you know, questions of who am I? Of course it does. Does that leave me with anxiety? Of course it does. And so it's, it's a, um, it's like building a house on, on quicksand. Like you need to build a strong foundation. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same thing with speaking in 2018, I lost my voice for two weeks. It wasn't like I couldn't speak. It was like, it would, it was viscerally painful to communicate. And I had built up this identity that I'm this, you know, I'm, I'm this public speaker. Like how could I lose my voice? Mm-hmm. And that was dangerous again for my ego. Again, my ego felt like it was, you know, like I was dying. Cause I had attached myself to this belief system and that because I wasn't there anymore, I was dying. So I would, I would really explore ego. And then I would think about what's in my control. Yeah, for sure. And what's in my control in terms of identity is character based. Mm. Fundamentally is character based. I am a man who keeps his word. Mm. I'm a man who has integrity. I'm a man who has discipline and you get to create that possibility for yourself of who that identity is going to be. I highly recommend it being character-based because you can control that. Mm. You can go internal and ask yourself the tough questions of why haven't I been in alignment with the man that I've always wanted to be? Why do I say that I'm a man of integrity, but I keep lying or I keep showing up late Mm. or I don't keep my word? And then you can make the necessary adjustments. And if you build the foundation of who you are as a man based off of character and quality that are respected and that you know to be the right thing, then you will have unlimited possibilities in the world of business. You have unlimited possibilities in the world of friendship. You will have unlimited possibilities in the world of romance um, because people will see that you've spent the time to invest in the man that you wanted to be. Ooh, man, dude, that is a big paradigm shift for me. And I, I hope it's a big paradigm shift for whoever's listening. Cause yeah, dude, character based identity, man, I, I didn't even think about it that way, dude. Uh, I guess it's for me, I've just been, my nose has been on the grindstone for so long. I haven't stopped since elementary school working to mm. you know i focused on my career for so long my education and whatever i didn't i i eventually became that um and 
I mistakenly attached my my worth as a as a man to to that that I I I didn't really uh I didn't really stop and ask myself hey you know this road that you're taking like is it is it what you want to be and I I know for sure that I'm happy where I am it's but why though is the question and that's really my my thoughts when listening to you is um what are the characteristics of whatever you're trying to do what what about that is is leading you to conclude that you're doing what you think you're supposed to do as a, as a man and i looked at it completely backwards looked at it from the end point as opposed to building that foundation as you're talking about um okay what 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 foundations am i trying to cultivate and what will get me there i instead i focused on once i get there then i'll be that guy right and that's a lot of young men i think are going through that is it's reverse you know it's completely exactly completely the backwards um and that leads to a lot of um you know questioning then because some guys will be on this path that they thought once i get there i'll be happy but they realize once they get there oh shoot this is completely different from what i thought or you know think of what i thought was going to be a what i wanted to be as a guy so yeah like after right after this for me personally i'm going to kind of sit down and reflect on on whatever path i'm taking right now and make it values based you know character based principles based and then decide oh where where does this you know what whatever this path i'm going to take if it if or not i continue as uh, what i'm doing right now based on external or internal factors is it am i going to be content with with who i am um out of all of this yeah and yeah dude thank you like that's going to help a lot of people yeah and uh, two things just to kind of riff on what you're what you're sharing there is number one if you want to take a look at someone that's done this really well and provided a role model for me you can look up ben franklin if you ever um, checked out his books um, or the the biographies written about him he had at one point in his life identified seven different character traits that he wanted to embody and he just built a spreadsheet where he would work on one of them per week and then once he finished it he would work on the next one and he Dude, kept doing that, that until awesome, yeah i highly recommend checking it out you can even print off the spreadsheet that he has or you could build one based off the qualities that you want yeah one um, you know some of his were in being industrious um uh, and uh, integrity was one of them things of that nature so that's uh, that's a good place to go and the, the other thing i want to say is kind of around this uncertainty around finance and, and job security and things of that nature is I don't want to dis downplay or discount the importance of those things. I do not want to do that. There's five areas of self-sufficiency for men and every area is important for many reasons. Um, there's spiritual self-sufficiency, financial self-sufficiency, emotional self-sufficiency, psychological self-sufficiency, and physical so all five matter, all five build towards the man you've always wanted to be. Uh, and, 
and financial is one of the ones that people are really struggling with right now. And it's not just because of what I see in the news. It's not just because of one-on-one conversations like this. It's being part of men's teams and seeing hundreds of men and the conversations that they're having right now. And finances is an area that people are really struggling with. And they're extremely stressed about right now. Yeah, man. Um, I, again, we're not, uh, we're not financial experts, but I kind of want to talk about that pillar uh, and how you're coping with whatever that uncertainty, if you're facing it, because I know like most people are. Yeah. The, you know, you mentioned expertise when I was thinking, when I said expertise earlier, I was thinking of along the lines of, I don't have a, a doctorate. Uh, in psychology. And so when I talk about ego, it's based off of reading and my limited understanding of the things that I've read from Eckhart Tolle and, and, uh, and uh, Alan Watts as an example. Mm-hmm. Now, I need to spend more time in those texts to really pull everything that I can out of them. But when it comes to financial literacy, I am happy to contribute to the audience. I've spent many years educating myself on financial literacy just based off the, the short conversations you and I have had about your interest in finance. I could tell that you are well-versed and you have the language to use to describe it. So if you have any questions for me around that, I'm happy to, happy to answer. Yeah, dude. Well, you know, um, I think for the average listener right now, uh, they're going to be concerned with the whole perception of uh, risk and um, job loss and the sort of income that... Uh, yeah, income loss, any sort of loss, just the word loss. And I kind of want to get that word out of the way first, because that's the biggest source, I think, of all this anxiety is this um, word, loss. So um, for me personally, um, how I've combated with it is uh, I do have a stake in the market a stake in stocks and that first drop, I'll tell you exactly where I, I remember exactly where it was when that drop happened, that 30 or 20, 30% drop that first time. And then it dropped again two or three times after that. Um, I remember as my, my, uh, this is just my normal routine before I go to work is I go to the gym, uh, first thing. And then, uh, this would be 5.00 AM. And then, the market's open around 9 a.m., 9.30, depending on what uh, what platform you're using. And just before that, I just see, my, I just look at my stocks and see like how they're doing, right? My whole portfolio and just as a, as a routine, you know. Um, and that day that it happened, I think it was like March 3rd or 5th, between those two dates, that big drop um, when, uh, the first sell-off, the major sell-off was, uh, I remember I was looking at my phone for some reason, the, the app wasn't working it wasn't logging me in, you know, normal. it's just like an app, like Questrade, you just put your fingertip and it just logs you in. So I, yeah. you know, I was a little bit confused at first. I thought it was just a you know glitch on my phone. Then I went to, I went to work and then I tried logging in through like the computer and the website was not logging in it was down or something and then you know so then i was like oh shoot i at first i didn't think it was like a you know some major thing that was happening a major sell-off i thought 
like my account got compromised. So I literally just called Questrade, the, um, the stockbroker that I use. And I, you know, I was on that line for like two hours, three hours. And the first uh, like rep that, that got a hold of me, I was like, hey, you know, I can't log into my account. I, I think there's something wrong with it. Uh, I tried my phone, I tried my computer. Uh, is there something like, you know, that we can do about this? And they're saying, no, dude, like, the servers are down. It's literally overloaded with people getting into the, uh, the, the website, right? And then immediately I knew what happened, what was happening. I'm like, oh shit, like it's a major sell-off, right? People are trying to get out as fast as possible. And it's so bad that the Toronto Stock Exchange actually shut for 15 minutes because of all the, the, um, the sell-off like requests that, that they were getting from these investors. Right. So even if I did have was uh, planning on um, cashing out at that point, I couldn't because, you know, the uh, the platform and every other like every other stockbroker platform was shut down for that day. So whoever was there at that point, there were probably like insider investors or people who were just like lucky that they were actually going to, you know, they cashed out or whatever. So by the time I actually got to it, I saw that big five figure loss in like less than like, like in one day pretty much and immediately i remember like feeling you know dizzy and like physically sick not even like emotionally like first the physical hit me like i felt like you know like a little bit like like i got hit by a like a truck like but then at the same time like um that was my my animal brain looking at that red right and seeing that loss quote quote but it, i didn't you know with with the stocks you don't declare losses until you actually hit the sell button so immediately um i just installed every um app like i had like any sort of stock app and just uh shut it off for a week and uh right now i'm buying into it didn't sell a single thing and it took a lot of searching online to kind of reassure that what was happening to me was um, everybody else was experiencing this. It's I'm not alone. And um, right now I'm just riding it, dude. Like that, uh, that loss, first of all, whoever's in the market right now, it's not a loss. It's literally just uh, a temporarily, a temporary blip in, um, in the stocks, in the market right now. And businesses fundamentally did not change in my, in my perspective on, how they make money. Um, it's just a short period of loss of business and it's going to recover. But this, that's, that's what uh, the main thing for me was uh, getting over is just that red, that five figure loss and uh, knowing that I can't touch that for the indefinite until that recover recovers. Um, the second thing is um, the risk of losing the job or losing a source of income. And that is something I'm currently still working on, but I, uh, over the last few days, I've kind of just built up a little bit of an emergency fund and um, ha spent some time cultivating some plan Bs and Cs and Ds on if that were to happen. But at the same time, I did not, uh, I'm not going to lose focus of the job that I'm going to do 
I'm still going to perform at whatever level I'm performing right now, which is uh, to constantly add value no matter what the circumstances is, no matter what uh, the external factors are. As long as you're, you can keep adding value and keep contributing, uh, you did the best that you can and whatever happens, happens. It's not going to be your, at least it's not your fault. You did the best that you could do. Uh, that's how I'm coping with it. Um, anyway, that's my little spiel on loss losses, the whole uncertainty thing that's probably plaguing a lot of men and people in general. Um, any thoughts? Yeah, a few. Yeah, a right. few for sure. Happy to happy to again contribute what I can. I think. I'm glad that you didn't pull out. So yep. first and foremost, I'm glad you didn't pull out. And uh, there's two really two parts here, which is around one's around income and earning income and how people actually. So there's a, there's two there again, there's two parts. There's, there's the financial literacy around investing, which is fundamentally different around the financial literacy of making and keeping money. Those are two different conversations around investing. I use an investing philosophy called passive investment. So it's not active investment. I do not look at my stocks every day. I do not look at my stocks every month. I look at them typically once a year. Mm. So that is the, the fundamental difference in strategy. Neither is right or wrong. It just depends on the type of investor you want to be. And so I highly encourage people for, for those that are interested in learning more about investment literacy, then check out things like The Millionaire Teacher which is a book that was written by a man that never made more than a teacher's salary yet was a millionaire before the time he was 40 because he fundamentally understood how to invest his money properly. And the, the, the other reason why that book is so valuable is because it's Canadian written. And so he talks about TFSA and RSP versus IRAs and 401ks. Yeah. And so check out Millionaire Teacher for those, again, interested in investment. Um, the second one would be Canadian Couch Potato Blog, fantastic resource for people that, that want to learn yeah. about passive investment. And then the third one is just like Jack Bogle, who was mm -hmm. the the man who founded Vanguard Investments, and again another strategy for passive investment, passive investing. the The reason why passive passive investment makes sense to me is because I have a long term investment horizon. 30, 40, 50 years. I do not care what the stock progress is and the stock performance is in the 12, 18, 24 month range. It does not matter to me. The money that's in my TFSA, the money that's in my RSP will not be touched for another 30, 40, 50 years. And so the fact that, like you mentioned, the stocks have gone down, I saw a five figure loss mm -hmm. in the short term those stocks value will raise again. And now if ever is the best time to buy a company because you are buying companies at a discount. 100%. You're buying companies at a discount. So that's, that's really my two cents on investing is that for those, I, I really feel for the people that need the money short term, I really do. And so maybe pulling it out is the right strategy for them. But if you have an investment horizon, that's at least two to three plus years and more do not touch your money that's in the stock market leave it in there as long as you believe that the company is a sound uh has sound economics in place 
And I, I'm not going to make any individual investor advice based off this podcast, but I would highly recommend check out Passive Investment. And now is the best time to buy to buy at a discount. If you were to sell today, you would be going against every investment advice of any investor that's ever made money, which is you would be buying low. Yeah. So you'd be bu- you'd be buying, buying high, high, selling, selling low. low. Yeah, hundred percent. That would be the opposite of every investment advice that anybody. Uh, um, uh, Warren Buffett's number one investment rule is don't lose money. Hundred percent. Right. Uh, so anyway, that's that's my two piece two cents there. When it comes to financial literacy and making and keeping money, another Warren Buffett quote is: "When the tide goes out, is when you realize how many people have been swimming naked." Mm-hmm. Now is not the time to be trying to create an emergency fund. Mm-hmm. That was six months, twelve months, five years ago. And so I would I would challenge the people listening to really think deeply about their expenses and how they may be living beyond their means um, and to think about, do you need those things that you're purchasing? There's a ton of amazing financial literacy advice in the world. And one of the number one things is it's not about how much money you make. It's about how much money you keep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Heard that a ton of times. And so I I am not in a position financially where uh, I feel that this economic downturn is a burden for me. In fact, it's, I'm using it as an opportunity to buy stocks at a discount, as you know. And uh, I, I take a lot of pride. I'm not saying that with arrogance. I'm not saying that beating my chest. I'm saying that as I do think that I'm a positive role model for men who want to increase their financial self-sufficiency. And I think that a couple strategies that I use really well is I do live below my means. I keep my money. I know how much I make and I know how much leaves and I ensure that there's a surplus of cash flow every single month to know that my net worth is growing. Um, and I understand that some people are in different positions where they may have different responsibilities. They may have family with kids and they want to be in sports. And so you need to take care of those things. Uh, but again, you, I, I do believe that when you take ownership of how you have money coming out and uh, coming in, um, it's up to you to decide the either prison that you create yourself for yourself based off of the expenses you decide to take on or you get to create the possibility of total and complete freedom and, and uh, a peace of mind when it comes to finances. Yeah, for sure, man. It's, it really, it really show puts a spotlight on that one thing that people like to put on that back burner is finances. Um, and lucky luckily for those of us who have been actively participating in the markets for years we know that this uh blip that we see right now has happened before and before and before um it, when that's going to recover i don't know but we know that it's going to recover and that's the assurance i want to give people whoever is listening is uh I've been through uh, not not a downturn, but I've been in the stock market for almost a decade. And uh, this is really the first time that there's a, a, an opportunity because the past eight years that I've been there, um, it hasn't really, you know, hasn't really been any sort of opportunity. If you're in the stock market for the last eight, nine, 10 years, 
it's it hasn't been exciting you know uh i honestly think that right now people should be happy that this happened if they're looking at it from an investor's standpoint uh because there hasn't really been an opportunity since 2008 to buy those value uh companies at a discount and if you're an index investor like just putting your money in the whole market as a whole because everything is down uh you're going to make you're going to make a lot of money and just um know that it's not a loss it's actually an opportunity all right so um this i'd like to conclude this episode with a little bit of a like a message for people who want some to want to look for resources seek help um i kind of want to give it give the floor off to you kind of plug whatever you need to plug uh listen to this guy's podcast guys mm-hmm. podcast uh, very cool stuff uh, if you like this podcast and any sort of self-help this especially with mental health then yeah gripped podcast anyway jonathan Thanks, buddy. I appreciate the plug. Uh, yeah, I know. I'm happy to, to just wind it off here by saying that I am and will be fundraising money for Jack.org for as long as I'm committed to mental health, which I think will be the rest of my life. And so for those of you that are interested in supporting Patrick in his fundraiser for Circle Up, we are raising money for Jack.org. Again, we talked about the importance of the work that they do for youth mental health. So we would really appreciate any contribution that you can make there. And for those people that may be struggling, I'm more than happy to connect with you personally. So you can reach out to me on Instagram at Jonathan F. Andrews. You can check out the Grip podcast if it's something that you want to look at. And the last thing I would implore you to do is if you are in a position where you may be very, you may be struggling or in crisis with your mental health, uh, check out kidshelpphone.com and they have a section for resources near me. And there's both free and paid resources and you can find access to somebody that will be there to support you if you are going through a hard time. Uh, They also have a crisis text line and call line. If you want to call them, if you don't feel comfortable calling them, you can text them and there are experts waiting to be able to be there and support you and they will text you as long as you need. So do not feel like whatever you're going through is something that you need to take on alone. That's why Patrick's in circle up. That's why I started circle up. That's why I have men's teams outside of circle up so I could participate in as many communities as possible so that I know that there's men there for me and I know that I'm there for men and we can contribute to each other's lives um, and step into the men that we've always wanted to be. Awesome, man. I appreciate this very first interview. No better person. I think you're the first guy that I thought of. Um, Can't wait to have more productive conversations like these. And I know this is going to help a lot of people. So uh, keep doing your thing, man. Like uh, you're doing a big service to, many people who are who need it at this time so again thank you and i'm gonna end this podcast with with that so all right everybody, man. peace tons out. of love dude and congratulations on the first episode thank you man i'm gonna take a screenshot so all right there you go sick okay all right buddy fire it up you have an awesome day you too buddy peace out okay ciao
And that was Jonathan Andrews with our very first ever interview here at the Time and Energy podcast. An amazing interview. I hope you guys got value out of this episode. And thank you for spending your time and energy with us. Again, please bear with me and my speaking skills as we progress through these episodes. I am getting better. And thank you again for spending your time and energy with us. We will see you next time. I hope you guys get stronger and stronger with each episode. Thank you. Peace out.